fire for a moment. Folks, let me tell you something. The more I look around me and I see how other religions are, being a child of Christ is not a religion. Understand me very carefully. God does not do religion. Okay? Religion is what caused men to sin against God. Well, what are you talking about? If you understand the true definition of the word religion, religion means that there's a pattern of you doing a conduct over and over and over again. That's religion. Okay? God is not all about that. Because what if the conduct is against God's will? Then it's sin. Amen? But Jesus Christ, the Son of God, is all about relationships. Okay? When he came back in his very first sermon on the mount, there in Matthew chapter 5, where that sermon begins, do you know what he introduced back into Israel? Throughout the next couple of chapters in the book of Matthew, Jesus kept telling Israel over and over again, your father in heaven. What was he doing to them? He was telling them that God is relational. God is family. And God loved having his children nearby and very, very close to him. Because right. if you recall from scripture, 1500 years earlier, God told the children of Israel, don't come near the mountain unless you will be what? Killed. Guess where God is sitting in the person of his son, Jesus, when he gives this sermon? He's sitting on a mountain there in northern Galilee. And Jesus is telling them to come close. Come close. And literally thousands sat at his feet as he gave this sermon known as a Sermon on the Mount. That's why it's called Sermon on the Mount or Sermon on the Mountain. Okay? And so it's interesting. Uh, while at the fair, Clinton and I and some of the other, we ran across some pretty interesting characters. And it is not our place in the pulpit to pick at other religions, okay? Let me get that straight right away. We don't do that. However, what we do is we point out truth and things that are not true. Okay? Now, there was someone there that was a psychic reader. But yet she said she was going to heaven. I don't know what Bible she's reading because my Bible says that God have nothing to do with those people. Okay? And that's from the Jews of old that God told them that. He told them that when they ever, before they ever occupied the promised land, and they told them that on the King Saul. And that's one of the things that got Saul in trouble. That he went to a person that God said, don't you dare go to. And then there was other half-truths that are hanging out there. And this is what you have to understand. The world right now is such a dangerous place because everybody can talk persuasively. Everybody know how to talk fancy and with good words that sound good, Crystal, okay? That are able to bring crowds together. Yeah. And everybody like to flock where the crowds are instead of flocking where the truth is. And Jesus said, when you come to the truth, the truth will do what with your life? Set you free, amen? And he said, who the son set free is free, what? Indeed, okay? And so what's happening here in the sermon that I'm about to preach to you, it's a continuation on the end times because God has done something to, through Jesus. Something in which the book of Genesis, from Genesis to Revelation is all about. Do y'all know what that is? The second coming of Christ. Let's just get to the point, okay? There's no monkeying around with it. The entire Bible is about the coming of God, setting up his kingdom on earth. That's what it's all about. And the book of Revelation in chapter 21 tells you and I the kind of people that's going to be here when Jesus comes and sets up his throne. Do you know what kind of folks that God said going to be here? The one who's been washed in the blood of the lamb. Okay? And here's where the distinguishment comes in at. Here's some false teachings. First, let me give you the truth about all of this. Mitchell, I, I'm picking on Mitchell just for a moment. Mitchell's background is Jewish. Am I right? Yes. And those who are not Jews are also called Gentiles. Am I right, Mitchell? Listen, the word of God says that both of those cultures, both of these ethnic groups are going to be one in the new kingdom. Amen? 
But Jesus Christ, the Son of God, had took the two men who once was divided and really hated each other. So under the blood of Jesus have made both men what? One. In other words, God says only one kingdom. Amen. And that one kingdom is ruled and controlled by the Son of God. And just in case some of you Gentiles don't understand that, and y'all want to talk bad about Israel and Jerusalem, I want this thing recorded. I want you to know today that Israel is still God's apple of his eye. You understand me? God has not turned his back on his people and never will. Amen. What God has done, if you don't believe me, you, you, you new believers in Christ, read Romans chapter 11. And Apostle Paul gave a very stern message about this. Here's that message just in a moment here. He said, has God turned his back on his people? Has God cast his people aside? And Apostle Paul said, certainly not. Hello, somebody. I don't care who's in the White House. Israel belongs to God. You understand me? Jerusalem is God's hub on earth. Do you know what that means? That means Jerusalem is God's home base. Amen, Mitchell? And let me tell you, when we misappropriately talk about Israel, we're bringing doom to ourselves. Amen? Amen. In fact, the psalmist says, to pray for the peace of Jerusalem, those who love her. And he said, those who love her shall prosper. Amen? Amen. And so I, I, I want to say to the church today, if you have such a bad heart for Israel, why are you even going to the Messiah? Who do you think the Messiah is? He certainly wasn't a Gentile. Amen? Amen. I don't know where all that came from this morning. But it so sound good to the glory of God. Amen? Amen? Because Jesus is Jewish. And if you got a problem with that, take it up with his daddy. <laughs> Amen? Amen? And so Jesus is sitting on the Mount of Olives. And I want to, I want to get your hearts ready for what's, what's yet to come. Because there are so many doctrines out there right now, teachings that tells you that on this day and at this time, Jesus is going to return. Am I right? You're right? It's so much teaching. I mean, some churches have gone as far as that they have these fancy charts <coughs> and they have these timelines laid out. Say, okay, this just happened. This just happened. So we're down here. So Jesus is going to come right here. <laughs> Listen to the word of God today. Are y'all hearing me? There was one glorious angel went to a man in Israel named Zechariah. You know where I'm going with this, don't you, Brother Dave? He went to this old man and he said to him, he said, you and your wife Elizabeth is going to have a child. And he said, <laughs> are you kidding me? Basically, I'm just using modern day language. Yeah, and he, and he laughed in a, in a sense. But the angel wasn't laughing, Maurice Nelson. That angel was not laughing because he came with a message from the creator. Do you know what that angel did? It's the only place in scripture where we see an angel give his credentials. Are you hearing me? It is absolutely the only place where an angel flashes his credentials to man. Here's the angel's credentials. And you'll find it in Luke chapter 1. The angel said, I am Gabriel. And I stand in the presence of God. <laughs> Listen. Hey, look, when you get that kind of credential read to you, you better be listening. That means God is saying something. And he said, because you have not hearkened to my words, you shall be mute until the child is born. And guess what happened? Immediately. What happened, Mitchell? 
<laughs> he was mute. <laughs> Couldn't say a word for nine months. John the Baptist daddy. Hello, somebody. What is all, why, why am I telling you this? The one whom we're about to hear about is greater than angels. His name is Jesus. He is the commander of the angels. That's what he told Joshua. And it's kind of funny, Mitchell, because when Joshua seen this great warrior on the battlefield across from Jericho, one of the things that this great warrior said to him when Joshua said, who are you? He said, are you for us or for our adversaries? And he said, no. But I am the commander of the armies of heaven. Joshua had no idea that the king of kings and the Lord of lords had just came down for the defense of Israel because that's what it was all about. And then he told Joshua something that God had told Moses 40 years earlier. You know what that was? He said, take your sandals off for the ground that you're standing on is what? It's holy. Amen? Amen. And so... Joshua, right away, zoop, pulled the sandals off and went to the ground because he realized that this commander was only commander, but he was God himself. Amen? So we don't never know when the father going to show up, do we? That's what this is about. Jesus is setting the record straight even in the 21st century. He's told you and I there were going to be false teachings. He said, but look, the word of God does not lie. Amen. That's why through the apostle Paul, he told you and I, as Paul wrote that letter to Timothy, he said, study to show yourself approved by God. Why? He said, rightly dividing the word of truth. Other words, Mr. David, you need to know what you're talking about. Amen. Amen. Not only that you need to know what you're talking about, church, but that you will not be ashamed. And one, one point I found very, very fascinating as we get ready to go to the Lord in prayer is that unbelievers can tell you whether or not you're living according to God's word. That's right. Uh, in the Bible say that you ain't supposed to do that? Uh, and don't it say in the Bible that you, you're supposed to do this? I mean, you don't know how many times people have told me how I'm supposed to live as a Christian according to God's word, but they're not living it. And I always come back. I listen to them. I say, yeah, you're right. You're right. But why aren't you living it? Because you know it just as much as I do. And guess what? We're both going to stand before God. <laughs> okay? One of us is going to stand there justified, and the other one is going to say, uh-oh. Okay? Or we can both stand there justified, amen? amen? By the blood of Jesus. And so, as you prepare your hearts to go before the Lord, Jesus is still sitting there with these 12 men. This is a very, very detailed teaching that the Lord is doing here. And he's taking his time because he wants people to know what to expect in the future. He doesn't want his children to be ignorant because Jesus put mile markers along the way so that you and I can know, uh-oh, it is getting closer. And it's okay to look at the times that, uh-oh, because Jesus did say this, this is going to happen. So we're one step closer to him coming. Amen? And he do want us to read the times in that respect. However, he doesn't want to say, okay, Mr. David, Jesus will be here January 14th at 9 o'clock. Be ready. Okay? Because all of a sudden the whole world will stop. Uh-oh. January 14th, 9 o'clock. Here he come. Because there's been a couple of people in history from major denominations have said that and got mud on their face. Okay? It's not our place to give the time. But we're going to see today in this part of the sermon how Jesus is going to make all those claims look really, really bad. And folks write books about, oh, he's coming in this. And sometimes we go out and we buy those books because, oh, man, this is some good stuff. But the final analysis, their lives are misrepresentations of Christ's teachings. Amen? Amen. This book right here 
In Joshua 1.9, before Israel even occupied the promised land, this is what God told Joshua. Mo, he said, in the very beginning of that book, he said, Moses, my servant, is dead. Get up, rise up, and lead this people across this Jordan. Otherwise, it's time to occupy the promised land. And you know what else he told them? And boys and girls, look at me. He told Joshua, he said, this book, this book of the law, and it was only... It was only this thick. Right here. See that, Mitchell? It was the first five books of the Bible called the Pentateuch. That's what they had. And you know what God told them? He said, this book of the law shall not depart, of, depart out of your mouth, but you shall meditate upon it day and night and observe according to all that is written therein. Then you will have good success and make your way prosperous. Joshua 1.9. So God said, don't do away with it. But Israel didn't know more was coming, did they? That's a lot there. But God said we're to meditate on it, study it, chew it, get it in us, and live it. Amen? Okay, that was just the introduction. You ready for prayer in the sermon? All right. Hit every head bow. Father, we come to you now. In the precious name of your son, Jesus, thinking your God. Father, what a blessing it is to see you at work in such an amazing way. Lord, we watched you heal a little baby boy last week or week before last that had a chronic lung disease. And yet, Father, you healed them completely. And this morning, my wife told me of a longtime friend, Doug Lundy, who had stage four brain cancer, is now cured. He's healed by you. No cancer. Cancer free. And we give you the glory, Lord. And there are many others, Lord, that we have testimonies about over and over again. And this past week, Lord, we watched your servant Richard do something so amazing, so extraordinary by the work of the Holy Spirit. We watch him witness to multitudes of people. This one little man and Father, I heard many of them confess Jesus as Lord at that table. And so, Lord, I thank you that you've used them. And, Lord, you use this church as a follow-up for those. And today, Lord Jesus, we're asking you to forgive us for our sins. Help us to concentrate on you. Because God is sending you back again. There's no doubt about that. It's just the matter when. And so, Lord, help us prepare our hearts now and help Israel get ready. Bring a great harvest in the land of Israel, as well as in these United States and around the world, O oh God. Have your way, Holy Spirit, in this land. We need you, Father, not because the elections are crazy. We need you because we're sinners. And so, Lord, we ask that you have your way and preach this sermon, Holy Ghost. Preach it and let it penetrate our heart. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. I want to show y'all something. This is just half of the cards of the people that I picked out of his stack. Um, High Springs, Alachua, Fort White, Lake City area that I told him I would follow up on. That gave their life to Jesus. Now that's a lot of cards, Mitchell. You see that? That one little man sat there at that booth. And I was really embarrassed. I kept I couldn't believe how lazy we are because look at us. There are times this, this place is packed. And I got the other half of the cars Mitchell, in, in, in the van in my other book. Of people who surrendered their lives to Jesus. One little man sat there with the heart of Christ and the tenacity not to say, you know, I'm tired or I'm hungry. But that man went forth, and he very rarely took no for an answer. And one of his opening lines to people, he said, come here, let me ask you a question. He said, uh, uh, are you 
50% sure or 75% sure or 100% sure that you're going to heaven when you die. And, and what, what was crazy, kids, he had a skull in a box. Mm-hmm. And he would say, hey, come here, I want to show you something. I want to show you my friend in the box. They go, huh? And people will come and they didn't know what they're expecting. There's this skull in a box, Mitchell. Really crazy, okay? But here's what he said about it. He said, this is you and I when we die. He said, but the real you, your soul goes on. Is it going to go and be with the Lord or is it going somewhere else? He said, if you're 50% sure, you're not going. He said, if you're 75% sure, you're not going. He said, you must be 100% sure that you're saved. And he said, but if you can't tell me you're 100% sure. And over and over again, Mitch, I heard people say, well, I've been a good person. I, I help my neighbor and I don't lie to people. Now, I don't go out and get drunk and corral. Over and over again, I heard good works. And the Bible tells us over in Ephesians chapter 2 that we're not saved by works in verse 8 there. It says that we're saved by grace through faith and nothing else. It is the gift of what? God. Okay? That's how you and I are saved. Okay? I'm going to break these up and and you you brothers and sisters in Christ are going to help me call these people and welcome them into God's kingdom and we're going to invite them to come here. Amen? Amen. I, I, preachers don't supposed to do all the work. Okay? We got folks here that know how to talk to people on the phone. And we can reach them. Alright? Let's go to the Word of God. In Matthew chapter 24. Y'all said, boy, you already preached. Sit down. Let's go home. <laughs> Thank you, brother. Awesome. Okay, we're going to be looking at verse 27 today, Matthew chapter 24, verse 27. Again, Jesus is sitting on the Mount of Olives, right, right on the outskirts of Jerusalem. He can actually see the temple from where he's sitting at. Okay, chapter 24, verse 27. And he's sitting there. And by the way, Matthew was one of the ones who was sitting there with him, the one who wrote this. So he has a firsthand account. I wish that Matthew would have been sitting there. But then again, you've been the world oldest man if you've been sitting here with us. Okay? So listen how he tells you and I how fast the kingdom are going to come in. Y'all ready for this? Yes. He said, for as the lightning comes from the east and flashes to the west, so also will the coming of the Son of Man be. Otherwise, when a lightning bolt first appears and flashes, he said, that's how fast the Son of Man will appear. I think me and the children not long ago, a couple of weeks ago, we looked at how fast a lightning bolt comes down, Mitchell. 600 and some miles per second. I mean, 600 and some thousand miles per second that lightning bolt travels. Pow! That's very fast. That's faster than I can run. Okay? And almost as fast as my wife can talk. Uh oh, excuse me. Anyway, we're at verse 27. Matthew 24, chapter 24, verse 27. So, I want to ask you a question. If Jesus said that this how fast the Son of Man will be coming, as fast as lightning flashes from the east to the west, how fast do you have time to get ready if you're not saved? Huh? How fast? Because, you know, there are some people say, I'll wait to the last. Okay? That tells you and I, all of a sudden, he's going to be what? Bam, there he is. Uh Are you going to have time to get ready? If you're not getting ready right now, everybody, it's going to be too what? Too late. That's why it behooves us to listen to the gospel message today. And as David has said over and over again, and as Paul has said in in his writings, hearken not your heart in the day of provocation. 
What does that mean? When you hear the gospel and the Holy Spirit speaking to your heart, get ready. Because that means God wants to transform you from the old sinful person into that brand new, born again, non-sinful person. Whose name is written in the Lamb's book of life. Amen? Amen. So all these guys and gals out there think that they can do it at the last moment? They got to be pretty, pretty fast. It won't happen. Okay? And another clue he gives us here is in verse 28. For wherever the carcass is, there the eagles will be gathered together. Now, let me straighten that translation up a little bit for you from the Greek to the English. Wherever there are dead bodies, and wherever the, the buzzards are gathered of vultures, because sometime in scripture, the word eagle really means vulture. Well, what does that mean? That means that war and wars are going on on the earth. And there are a lot of dead bodies everywhere. So he gives us little signs here, little clues, everybody, that when Jesus returns, the earth is not going to be in this great peaceful state. Are y'all hearing me? It is going to be a lot of turmoil here. A lot of destruction going on. And when he shows up, that's the way he's going to find it. Okay? So that's another interesting clue. Is that going on right now? Do we see bodies piled up everywhere? No. Is it going to happen? Yes. Verse 29. Immediately after the tribulation of those days. You notice how he clumped that together? Because why would he put carcass in with tribulation? He said immediately, that's what we call an antecedent. He's pointing back to something. Okay? That means after all those people are killed. And remember earlier he said, if you're on the house top, when war break out, you got to hit the ground what? Running. And if you're in the fields working, you can't go back in the house and pack a bag. Why? Because you got to hit the ground what? Running. So he said, after all that is over with, then you know that the time is what? Near. Okay? So, immediately after the tribulation of those days, the sun will be what? Darkened. Folks, there are going to be cataclysmic things take place in the heavens. That means the stars and the planets are going to line up and block each other what? Light. There's going to be a darkness upon the earth. Instead of, you remember during the days of Moses in Goshen and in the rest of Egypt? In Goshen, when God brought darkness, there was no darkness in Goshen where the Israelite was living. But there was darkness in, in the rest of the land of Egypt. Darkness in which they had never experienced in their lifetime. Now it is worldwide. Any of you all ever been in a place where you couldn't even see the hand in front of you? That's dark, isn't it? I've been in the desert at night when there's an overcast. But it's like you got smut all around. You can't see anything. I remember the one the first first night or second night of battle. And we were moving forward, and I had to stop and give one of my teens my maps and stuff because they had misplaced their maps. It was crazy. So I said, I think I can get back over for dark uh, falls, and I, I can get back to where I'm supposed to be at, and I'll get me another set of maps, and we keep going. Lord, help us. Battle broke out, and things just got crazy. I did not get back in time. And guess what happened? I'm out there in the middle of a war zone all by myself in a Humvee. And it's dark and I couldn't see anything. And I'm talking to my lieutenant on the radio. And I'm going, Lieutenant Phipps, I can't see anything. And finally he said, we don't have a choice. We're going to have to pop a flare. Are you kidding me? <laughs> on the battlefield, the enemy is shooting all around us and you're going to pop a flare? Mark our position? 
<laughs> and guess what he did? That joker popped the flare. But I was glad because I found my way. We were actually literally next to each other, didn't know it. That's how, that's how dark it was. But can you imagine? And I said that normally I don't bring in outside things about church, but they'll let you know that darkness is coming. And there's time, Maurice Nelson. You think you're scared of darkness? That 21-year-old boy is scared of darkness. Look, darkness is coming. Amen? <laughs> All right. Look what I started this morning. Sir? It's the unknown of the darkness. The state of unknown. Because a lot of things can happen during the darkness. Amen? And here, the Lord said, not only will the sun be darkened and the moon will not give its light, the stars will fall from heaven and the powers of the heavens will be shaken. Now, this is deeper than what it appears from a cosmo point of view. Okay, when we think about cosmo, we think about, oh, there are the planets and everything is lined up. Everything's looking good, right? But he said, all of a sudden, all that's going to be shaken. Folks, that's not what he's referring to here. What he's referring to is the spiritual darkness that's going to take place. And guess where Satan's home base is right now? It is in the heavens between the heaven where God is and the earth. That's where he operates from. Are y'all hearing me? Satan operates from the heavenlies. Okay. And when he says that they will be shaken crystal, God said, I'm going to get a hold of some demonic spirits. Amen. And I'm about to do a shaking spiritually. Do you know what this is similar to? This is similar to the night in which God said that I will strike the firstborn of Egypt of all men and all beasts. And I will bring judgment, he said, against the gods of Egypt. That's Exodus chapter 12, verse 12. Why would he bring judgment against the gods of Egypt? He said, I'm going to the spirit world and I'm going to strike the demons. That's behind all of this. That's what he means. And everybody listen. Jesus Christ in which in the time in which he was betrayed, just shortly, just hours before that, he had told his disciples something that was so unique spiritually. And even today, if we're not careful, we will miss it. Here's what he said to his disciples that night. Or early in the day, he said, now comes the prince of this world. He said, now the prince of this world is judged. Well, what does that mean? That means he just put Satan on trial. Folks, if you read in Revelation chapter 20, Satan doesn't stand trial. Satan is cast into the lake of fire. Why? Because Jesus, before he went to the cross, Mitchell already found him guilty. Okay? Amen? Am I right? He already found him guilty. And guess what else, everybody? If Satan was coming, was he coming alone? Jesus said, now comes a prince of this world. Guess who he came? Well, guess who came with him? All of his boys, Mitchell, in the dark world came with him. <coughs> and it was at that time, Jesus said, now that the prince of this world is judged, he also meant who was judged, even those who came with Satan. Mm-hmm. Okay? Are y'all getting this now? Ain't the Lord good? Even before he went to the cross, and he knew that he even had to go to hell. But yet he said, I got your number. Okay? The Lord had already condemned him. And let's go on. I got some help back there in the back, just in case you grown up want to go to sleep. Little lady, little sister back there helping me. Y'all don't realize she's not playing, but she's helping her pastor out. And so... Not only is God going to shake the heavens, and that means you Christians, okay, that we have got to be spiritually awake. We have got to be spiritually alert and listening to the Holy Spirit, and he's going to show you and I some things that you've never seen before. And I'm here to tell you that the Holy Spirit do open the eyes of Christians to look into the spirit world. If you don't think so, you better keep seeking the Lord Jesus Christ. 
and watch what the Spirit does with you. Hello. He said, then the sign of the Son of Man will appear in heaven. And then all the tribes of the earth will mourn. I want to ask you a question. Why are all the tribes on earth going to mourn? What does mourn represent here? Death. Death. Why are all the people on earth crying then, these tribes? Why? Because they do not belong to him. Jesus at this time have already marked his children. Amen. And the ones who are crying don't belong to him. Are you hearing me? They are mourning because they don't belong to him. And they know what their state is at this point. They know where their destination is going to be. It's not a time of rejoicing for the world, everybody. Guess who's going to rejoice when we see him in glory? We are. Amen. But the world going to be in disarray. Okay? So look at the little clues here. Jesus is giving us a lot of clues here. When all of a sudden you're standing there and everybody around you start crying, you're going to know, oh, he's here. <laughs> Amen? Because you're not going to look around and have it because you're going to be what? Sucked out of here. And they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds. What is that reminiscent to? In the book of Daniel, chapter 7, Daniel saw Jesus in a night vision. Daniel saw the second coming of Christ in a vision, everybody. That Jewish man, while in captivity, saw Jesus coming. And he said, I saw one as the son of man coming on the clouds. And they brought him to him. To who's him? He said, the ancient of days. Who's the ancient of days, everybody? God. Because God has no beginning and no end. Therefore, he's called the ancient of days. Okay? And he said, they brought Jesus to him. Who's that? The angels. The angels escorted Jesus to God and the Bible tells us in that same context that God in turn gave the kingdom to Jesus. Are y'all hearing me? Jesus have not assumed command of the kingdom yet. Amen? But he will. Because God the Father is going to give it to him. And Daniel sees this. And Daniel also says, and Jesus will give the kingdom over to the saints. And now, Jesus hadn't returned yet. Listen to me carefully. Not only did Daniel say that Jesus will turn the kingdom over to the saints, but then the prince of Persia and the prince of Greece and the beast and all, they're going to attack the saints. Daniel said for a little while, and for a little while, they're going to be prevailing against the saints. What does that mean? That means who knows how many thousands of saints are going to be killed. That's what it means. They prevail means slaughter. That's war talk. And then he says, and the ancient of days is going to step in and stop it. Enough is enough. Folks, we got some stuff to face if we are still here when this happened. Okay? If not, our children may experience. If not, their children. Somewhere along the line, some children of God are going to what? Experience this. Okay? Let's move right along here. Then it goes on to tell you and I other news. So he said, I saw the Son of Man. He said, see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great what? Glory. Can you imagine? Can you imagine looking up and all of a sudden the brightest light that you ever seen appears. And as this light is coming out, it's going out. All of a sudden, everything that is wicked disappears because his glory is conquering everything that is dark. 
all of a sudden, all darkness vanished. Okay? Why? Because the glory of Christ itself conquers the darkness. You remember what John wrote in John chapter 1? That the light did not comprehend him? You know what that word comprehend is? The word comprehend is actually a bad translation. In the Greek it says, and the light does, the darkness does not overcome the light. What does that mean? The word that's used there for overcome means victory. That the darkness have no victory over the light. Okay? It's a, it's, it's a future thing telling you and I that Jesus Christ, the Son of God, when he comes back, everybody, he's going to defeat everything that's wicked. You know how y'all like the saying, Mary, Mary had a little lamb? Uh-huh. Yes, she did. And he was white as snow? Yes, he was. But guess what? He ain't skipping along the path, boys and girls. Are you hearing me? And you're not going to nail him to a tree again. Because in Revelation chapter 1, it says that even those who pierce him shall look upon him. Are you hearing me? That even the Roman soldier that pierced his hands and his side and his feet will look at him. Every eye shall what? See. Are you hearing me? So, and he will send his angels with the great sound of a trumpet. Now, let me tell you something, Gentile Christians. Listen to me carefully. The Jews know about the trumpet long before the Gentiles did. Are you hearing me? Everybody here, are you hearing me? Where, when did the first trumpet appear to the Israelites? On Mount Sinai. When they, when they, that's right. When God came down on top of the mountain. Amen. Guess what? God is coming down what? Again. And you're going to hear what? A trumpet. Announcing. He's here. And even Paul wrote about it. He said that Jesus what? He said the Lord himself shall descend from heaven. He said, with a shout and with the voice of God and with the trump of God. The word trump means, they didn't finish translating, trumpet. He said, the archangel, the archangel is going to sound the trumpet. And the trumpet is going to do what? Wake the dead. And the dead in Christ shall what? Rise first. And even those, Paul said, that are alive. We'll also hear what? The trumpet. That means that's us. All of God's children that's in the grave and not in the grave are going to hear what? The trumpet. And when we hear the trumpet, it's going to be time to do what? Go home. Y'all ought to be happy about that. Everybody here should have jumped to their feet. Holler, Hallelujah. Time to go, Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> they said that one loud preacher. <laughs> but listen to it. So you're going to send his angels with the great sound of a trumpet. All of a sudden, when that angel blow that trumpet, all the angels of heaven is going to muster upon the earth. Well, you hear me? Every angel is going to come down here and listen what Jesus says those angels are going to do. And they will gather together his elect from the four winds. From the north, from the south, from the east, and from the west. And do what with them? From one end of heaven to the what? Other. The angels of God are going to come and pluck you and I out of here. There it is. You know, and there are going to be images, everybody. Folks on aircraft are going to do what? Disappear. People driving tractor trailer are going to do what? Disappear. Disappear. The tractor trailer is going to run out of control. Kids on school bus is going to do what? Disappear. All the kids in the hospital are going to do what? Disappear. All God's children in the funeral homes are going to do what? Disappear. And the graves are going to open and they're going to what? Disappear. God's children walking down the street are going to do what? Disappear. They're going to be on the jobs working and guess what's going to happen? They're going to disappear. 
Cause y'all like that, don't you? We don't have time for a tip. <laughs> no, sir. You're gonna be eating in the restaurant. You ain't gonna have time to give a tip either, buddy. <laughs> okay? So you're gonna get it's going to disappear. Clint gonna be riding his Holly. And guess what's gonna happen? <laughs> disappear and the Holly gonna just go. Okay, you ain't no time to look back for the Holly Clinton. Okay? Somebody and Lord help you, Shelly's on the tail end of it. Because I'm not disappearing. No, I didn't say that. <laughs> Guilty conscience? <laughs> Amen, let's go. Guilty conscience? <laughs> it ain't too late, sister, because the lightning hadn't come yet. Amen? Amen. Who said you can't have fun in church? Now learn this parable. Any botanist in here? Anybody ever grown a tree from don't, my wife? Don't you even raise your hand. You done killed every tree you tried to grow. All right, so we got a few folks that know how to grow some stuff, okay? Miss Jean definitely got a green thumb. All right, listen to this, okay? All you people that can grow stuff. And I know Brother Mia can and Sister Vicky just like my wife. Okay? Listen. Now learn this parable from the fig tree. When its branch has already become tender and put forth leaves, you know that summer is near. In other words, the trees begin to bud. And you know, uh, uh, let me tell you something also about the fig tree and all the research that I've done. The fig tree is the only tree that produces fruit before it puts forth its leaves. It's weird, isn't it? But the Lord says, and it usually happened, I think they said between, uh, they start sprouting in April, but harvest is around, I don't know, June, July, something like that. But anyway, so the Lord tells us that this is actually springtime in a sense, right? But that's not what he's referring to. He says, so you also... When you see all these things, know that it is what? Near. It is near. Why? Because when the fig tree began to have these little buds and leaves come on it, he said, know that summer, summer is what? Mm -hmm. Near. It's close by. But he said, he's used it as an analogy for you to kind of look at events in the world that's taking place. Go, oh, this just happened. That just happened. Uh-oh, it's getting closer. Okay. Jesus is getting ready to tell that angel to do what? Whatever sound that it make, it's going to be time to do what? Go home. All right? It says, no, know that it is near at the doors. As surely I say to you, this generation will by no means pass away till all these things take place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will by no means pass away. Now, when he was talking about generation, he wasn't talking about that John and all them, these things were going to happen. He's talking about the generation of the world. Folks, these things are going to happen. Okay? But of that day and hour, and here's where the seal is. You can bank this. Verse 36 is where you can take it to the bank, Brother David. Watch this. Verse 36. Everybody, here's the truth. Those folks out there that's putting a timeline and tell you that Jesus is coming back on this day, listen to the word of God carefully. But at that day and hour, no one knows, not even the angels of heaven. You mean tell me that angel named Gabriel who said, I am Gabriel and I stand in the presence of God. Jesus said, not even he knows. And that great warrior named Michael not even he knows. Are you hearing me? And not even the angels that came and helped Joshua them in the battle against the Canaanite kings. When, they, when those angels threw the millstones from heaven and killed more enemy soldiers than Joshua them did. Not even those angels know. Okay? Look at it. But my father only did you get that? Only God himself knows when he's going to send his son back. And a way we can look at that and say, not even the son knows. 
until the father said, go get my children. But Jesus did tell us, though, to be what? Be ready. And here's how he tells us. But as the days of Noah were, what does that mean? As the days of Noah were. That means prior to the flood, prior to God coming and talking with Noah, people were living life just the way they what? Wanted to. And it was business as usual. And even when Noah started building the boat, people were like, He's a, just a foolish old crazy man. Okay? And for a hundred years they did what? They mocked him. Until all of a sudden, bloop, bloop, bloop. All of a sudden they go, what's that? Because it had never rained up on the earth before. Then they go, what's it between my toes? And they're standing on dry ground. All of a sudden the fountains of the earth opened up and water came from underneath. They go, whoa, why are my feet getting wet? And why is water falling on top of my head? So they were getting it from both directions. Amen. This is our world right now, everybody. Listen to me carefully, children. People are going to be going to school. They go, oh, nothing's going to happen tomorrow. People are going to go to work. Uh-huh. Mom and dad is going to be having babies. Uh-huh. We got one on the way in, in a few days. Amen. Drunks are still going to be what? Drunks. Okay. People are still going to be building houses and planting gardens. Or try to. Amen. Then all of a sudden, guess what's going to happen? For those who don't know Jesus, it's going to be the worst nightmare. Okay? He's going to give us some more clues here. We don't have much longer to go, everybody. We've actually may get out a little early today. So it says, For as in the days of Noah before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, until the day that Noah entered the ark. Business as usual. And did not know until the flood came and took them all away. It was too late. Because remember what Jesus said? As fast as the lightning flashes from the east to the what? West. They had their moments of notification. They had their moments of warning. People try. I watched that little old man that walked, you know, kind of funny. And all. Hey, Brother Sammy. And Lord, he must have asked me a million questions while we were there this week. But great question, wonderful questions, and, and, and just a loving man of God. But that little old man, some of them mocked him. I almost thought I was going to have to slam one guy. He got in that man's face and said, don't do that to me. He said, do what? He said, don't play religion with me. Don't shove religion on me. And the dude said, the brother said, listen, all I ask you if you're going to go to heaven, don't do that to me, I told you. I mean, he got really nasty. I guess he figured he's not going there. And what I found out after I told one of the other folks that came with him in that motorcycle club, he said, he did what? I said, yeah. He said, he best friend with the chaplain. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. I'll just leave that one alone. Okay. Some things you just don't entertain. Amen. Anyway, so here we are. So shall be the coming of the Son of Man. And ladies, y'all gonna listen. Y'all, y'all, y'all gonna get a laugh out of this one. I think this is very poetic. In verse forty onward, it's kind of poetic. Listen, what's being said. Then two men will be will be in the field. One will be taken, and the other left. What does that mean? You got two workers working. One saved, one not saved. When the trumpet sounds, guess who's going to go? The saved. That's what he's telling you. All of a sudden, all over this world, people are going to start what? Disappearing. And he's giving, this is the Lord Jesus himself telling this. Two men going to be working in the field side by side. One going to stay and the other left. 
Two women will be grinding at the mill. Okay, I know it's kind of hard for you 21st century women to understand this part. In those days, they had a millstone that they used to take and pour the corn or the wheat on this flat stone and take the millstone and, and roll it over it. Okay, and it would grind that grain up so that they can make flour or meal so they can make bread. Jesus says, as two women are at that stone grinding meal, okay, one going to be taken and the other one left. Okay. Kind of like you got two women in the house cleaning it. One going to go and the other one going to be left. And I can just see where Miss Jean, whoo, they were freaking out. Where did so-and-so just go? <laughs> And then he goes on to tell you and I, watch therefore, for you do not know what hour your Lord is coming. There it is again. Okay, remember in verse 36, he just told her that no one know the day or the hour. Now he's saying, watch, because you don't know what hour of the day that our Lord is going to appear. There's a lot of song, gospel songs out there talking about in the midnight hour. We shall be going what? Home. But that's not necessarily true. It can be 2 o'clock in the afternoon, 11.30 at night. Or it can be 7 o'clock in the evening or 10 o'clock in the morning. The Lord said, and it don't have to be on an even hour, because God don't keep our time. Amen. Okay? Then it goes to tell you in verse 43, but know this, that if the master of the house had known what hour the thief would come, he would have watched and not allowed his house to be broken into. Dads, that is a message for us. We are the responsible ones of keeping our houses, what? Safe. And we tell our wives and our children all the time, close the windows, lock the doors, right? Keep things safe. Spiritually, it is our responsibility to keep our wives and our kids spiritually what? Safe by teaching them the things of God. Amen. Okay? And if we, have, if we don't do that, if you leave your house vulnerable and a thief knows you got valuables, guess what's going to happen? He's going to hit it. It happened to our next door neighbor. They cut through our fence, not one fence, two parts of our fence when they stole this big lawnmower in the middle of the night. And the dog was barking and I didn't get up. Had I got up, it would have been a different story. Okay? Listen, Lord Jesus says it's the same thing when it comes to him returning. Men, get your house in order. You hear me, Maurice? You're 21 years old, like jokes and stuff, but you got to get your house in order. You may be single, but get your house in order. Oh, he don't have a house. He's at his mama's house. <laughs> to God be the glory. Preacher, don't be saying that hard on podcast. What's wrong with this preacher up here? But the truth is the truth. Get yourself together in Jesus. Amen? And... Watch this now. Therefore, you also be ready for the Son of Man is coming at an hour that you do not know or expect. Folks, in this short context, he's told you and I three times that we don't know the hour when he's coming back. But to do what? Get ready. Prepare this vessel to go home. If we committed sins, confess them and ask the Lord to help you turn away. First John chapter one, verse nine. If you confess your sins, he's faithful and just to forgive you and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. The best part about that is he is faithful. He's going to do his part. So if you come to him to God, Lord Jesus, I messed up. The rest is in his hands. Amen? Amen. Who then is a faithful and wise servant? Okay, deacons, listen carefully. Because the word servant here is also deacon. 
in Greek. You ready? So who then is a faithful and wise servant whom his master made ruler over his household to give them food in due season? Blessed is that servant whom his master, when he comes, will find so doing. Assuredly, I say to you that he will make him ruler over all of his goods. But if that evil servant says in his heart, my master is delaying his coming and begins to beat his fellow servants and to eat and drink with the drunkards, the master of that servant, excuse me, that servant will come on a day when he is not looking for him. And at that hour, he, he is uh, not aware of and will cut him in two and appoint his portion with the hypocrites. There shall be weeping and gashing of teeth. What does that mean? Do you know what Jesus just did there, Brother Mitchell? He just narrowed the scope down to the church. If you're not doing the things that he told the church to do, when he come back, you're not going back with him. He's talking about those that are in his kingdom now. The servant. The servant is in the master's house. That means the servant is safe, right? <coughs> and if the servant is doing what he told him to do by serving the others and making sure the house is in order, when he returns, he'll be rewarded. That's us, folks. That's believers. But if we're not out here doing what we're supposed to do, guess what he's going to do? Folks, I'm like, you can't lose your salvation. I didn't write the word of God. You heard it for yourself. Jesus said, if I come back and don't find you doing what you're supposed to do, you're not going back. There's going to be a special place appointed for you. Okay? <coughs> and next week or, or after the week following that, this coming Sunday, we got the baptism at Post Springs. I want you to understand this. When we get to chapter 25, Jesus is going to lay out in detail some things that the church is supposed to be doing. In chapter 25, he's going to tell you how you are going to serve him by serving people. Are you hearing me? Chapter 25 is going to talk about the, the ten, 10 versions. Five foolish and five wise. So when we come back, we're going to be looking at that. And then you're going to have to determine where you fit in in all of that. You get to, to determine that. Because if you're just a Sunday, Tuesday Christian for the Lord in his house, there's work to be done every day in the kingdom of our God. Okay? There's work to be done every day. That old man at the fair, some people mocked him. But if the Lord Jesus come back, would have come back, guess what Lord Jesus would have found him doing? Taking care of his house. Amen? And where do you think I'll get Psalms 126 from this morning that we did for responsive reading? The last verse in that Psalms said that he will bring his sheaves with him. Do you know what sheaves are? That's that wheat or barley that they had harvested and bound and tied up in little stacks. And they're standing up on their end. Those are sheaves. Okay? Otherwise, it's a harvest. And remember what Jesus said now on the night in which he was betrayed. He said, I did not choose, he said, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you to go and to produce fruit. And that your fruit shall remain. Otherwise, that's the harvest. Those are the sheaves. Okay? That I means God wants us at work. He doesn't want us idle. Notice that's in the plural. 
That's not just a preacher. That's everybody. All believers have a role in the kingdom of God. Okay? You're a good worker. But you can't stop. You're a good worker. But you can't stop. Even though you're old. <laughs> That's right. This is my big brother. Anyway, whatever head bow, guys can put up the drawing stuff now. Ask Lord Jesus where you are right now with him. Every person now. So dear Lord Jesus. Come on, ask him now. Say, so, dear Lord Jesus, where am I at with you right now? Am I in good standing with you? Or are there some things that I got to change? And if there are things that I have to change, Jesus, will Holy Spirit show me what those things are? And then help me? And Lord, if I am in good standing with you, Will you multiply the work that you already got me doing so that the harvest can multiply? Not for my good, but for your glory. So Lord Jesus, I thank you for coming and saving me and placing your spirit in me. And God, thank you for your son Jesus. I love you and I praise you and I want my life to show that of Jesus now Lord God have your way until we meet again here in your house in Jesus name I pray Amen